Thanks for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more programmes, visit brumradio.com. Imagine yourself as one of the crew of this faster-than-light spaceship of the future, sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Baffling questions, astounding questions, that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. You are listening to Geeky Brummy. Alert. Spoilers ahead. Alert. Spoilers ahead. Alert. Spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to Geeky Brummy. Today we're going to be talking all about the biggest movie of a decade for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is Avengers Infinity War. And joining me today, Mr. Ryan Barrett, will be Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello. And... And Mr. Guy Halford. Get my name then. No. Sound, 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 sound is like you did. Sound like you had to really have a think about it. Like, um, you know, like an old lady, like you went through like various well, names. Say, like, uh, Phil, Bob, Steve, Guy. Well, I usually say, or you, but I thought it would be nice for this one. A nasty. <laughs> it was a dramatic build-up. Yes. So I got like a wrestler. It was like your introduction. It was like Black Panther's introduction in Civil War. You got some lead in. I think you just put on the name. Anyway, Avengers Infinity War. As we've said, this is ten years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just want to point out, Callum Danes is missing today. Uh-huh. So one, one, this show's going to be nice and nice and tame. But I actually think that he's just waiting for his dad to come and see Infinity War with him because it's 12A <laughs> and he needs somebody to go in with him. That's where Phil is. <laughs> <laughs> he's pulled in the responsible adult of Phil Ellis to go and watch Infinity War. <laughs> so unfortunately, you've got us three loons to take you through the film. Keith, first impressions? Very good. My uh, my second impressions are very good. Um, I really liked it. It was uh, the... Thank you for joining us on that gig. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's your review. It was really good. You can't see it. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was the culmination of, of a, a long uh, planned uh, series of films. It kind of pulled together all of these plot threads that they've been kind of, you know, dipping in and out of in, in all the previous films and delivered and delivered in spades, really. To me, it felt a bit like three movies in one. So we had the whole Iron Man, Spider-Man arc. That's another thing we should really mention. Spoilers will abound in this one. So if you have not watched the films yet, there will be spoilers. So try and avoid listening to this prior to your watching of Infinity yeah, stop, War. Stop listening now. Go to your local film emporium, purchase yeah. tickets... Drink some popcorn, optional. Drink Sit some popcorn. Down. Drink Let's some all popcorn. go to the cinema and drink ourselves some popcorn. Drink, drink, drink and popcorn. Yeah, and um, go watch the film several hours later. Come back and continue listening. Yeah, yeah several hours later, definitely. Two, several and, a half, hours two and a half hours runtime. Two and a half yeah, hours. And it, it still felt short. It doesn't feel like two and a half hours. Yeah, it, it still felt feel. quite short to me. The stuff that... <laughs> Keep saying that sentence, Ryan. <laughs> there was a lot more plot they could have squeezed in there. As I said, yeah, it felt much like three movies in one. So you had Thor plus Guardians of the Galaxy. You had Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange off in their own little adventure. And then you had pretty much the rest of the Avengers. So it's Captain America, Vision, Black Panther, on Earth doing Spider-Man, their own. Superman, Batman, Wonder yes. Woman. Oh yeah, they're not in this one, are they? No, Modoc. Uh, <laughs> Kick-ass. Yeah. Uh, Dr. But- Manhattan. Guy, what was your first impressions? Yeah. Did it live up to ten years of waiting? Guess. <laughs> Thanks again for doing this. 
BBC are on the phone asking us to take over from Mark Moe and Simon Mayer on their flagship film review show. Go reviews. Yeah, guess. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. Out of five, meh. It's all right. Yeah. I think we I think we kind of a little bit walking on eggshells really because there is quite a lot to take in and and kind of to discuss it in in any great yeah, um, but do you want there's so many windows on this? So it's like somebody needs a card and but writing the, these down. But there's so much going on yeah. in this film. There's, there's so many things that that are being dealt with. I kind of liked. I kind of liked. Some, I've heard some people say that they thought that the film was over, over all over the place tonally. Yeah, but I didn't think that was the case. I think it was it was matching the tones yeah. that have already been established in the previous films. Well, so there's, there's slightly lighter elements to the Guardian segments. Yeah. I mean, there's still jokey bits, but it was mainly pretty heavy going for the most part. It's, it's pretty brutal in a, in a lot of ways. I think it takes a lot of dramatic heft. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's it would have been too much if there wasn't those moments of levity. Yeah. Shall we talk about the pre-opening credit scene? <laughs> well, I quite like... This is where I knew we were in for something interesting here. Because yeah. it was nice that they didn't overload it with because usually at the beginning of the films we get the whole kind of marvel uh, studios fanfare with the kind of title graphic that they they put up for advertising marvel studios but it went quiet and we had the kind of asgardian mayday uh over the top of that and yeah. it was kind of like okay we're we're, we're hitting the well, ground running here yeah i say it pretty much so, seeks so, straight in from thor ragnarok when he said mayday then i actually thought he was talking about a bank holiday i was kind of like i don't remember that <laughs> Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. Where, 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 where was I when that was happening? Thanos, Thanos timed it perfectly. He thought, you know, May Day, there's going to be some travel disruption. The trains aren't going to be running. You know, it's going to be people aren't going to be expecting me to turn up and click your fingers. You know, it's like, but, that's why he planned it for that. Time. I mean, one of the things we get from that opening credit, opening scene as well is it's pretty much wiped out the Nova Corps. And it's, that's completely off screen. Oh, yeah, the kind of offhand, like, oh, yeah, I've already taken care of Xandar a week yeah. ago. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, they were like a big, big army in the first Gardens of the Galaxy movie, and it's just nothing. Wiped out, gone, click, gone. Yeah. And um, the, fact, the fact that he smashed that, that uh, refugee ship into two pieces as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's kind of like, it's, it's pretty, they're not messing about. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, it's brutal. So we don't even know what's happened to, like, Meek and Korg from Thor Ragnarok. They're not. Are they on the ship? We don't know. Well, I'm hoping. I remember the fact that the kind of the part of that opening sequence where we see the ship and it being bombarded by Thanos' yeah. ship, and we see it split into two bits, is the fact that on one part is Valkyrie and Korg and Meek. Well, and I'm hoping half, that, half the half the Asgardians. Heimdall's, the reason Heimdall's is so burnt out is is bifrosting people left, right, and centre together. Yeah. Uh, let's just face it; it's a big plot hole. Yeah. Oh, hang on a minute. Didn't we? Uh, didn't we cast that girl, girl from Westworld? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Got about her. Oh, yeah. There's a few inconsistencies consistencies in terms of kind of like what's what's happening with that yeah i mean yeah. just a, what a way to introduce that that, that character yeah. you know thanos was just like well, yeah okay well, i'll just pick thor up by his head yeah and that was the whole thing as well so he's only got one infinity stone at this point and hulk comes out of the gate and it's loki's like yeah hulk's gonna beat the oh yeah i like, I like that turnaround on that line that was uh, really cool and we've, then we've the, got a hulk and then thanos just proceeds to knock Seven's shades out of him. And then you've got the Black Order in the background saying, leave him, let him have his fun. And it's kind of, this is when we learn how powerful Thanos is. And it's a big plot point for the rest of the movie where we find out the Hulk's afraid of coming out again. Uh, Stage fright. Yeah. And he just doesn't want to appear for the rest of the film because he's too worried he's going to get stuff handed to him again. But as we said... um, No, I think he was just getting nervous about seeing Natasha again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like, we've lost Heimdall. (laughs) 
We lose Heimdall, we lose Loki before the film even gets going. I mean, not the first one's not a big loss, really. Heimdall? Idris Elba is a great actor, he's I mean, let, some great parts. Let's face it, Idris Elba got a raw deal for Marvel, so he was like, what, taking off? Yeah. When Thor came out, so they gave him a small role, then he hit big. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's had a, a raw bigger deal. Role. Well, he's had a raw he, deal. He got a quite hefty role in uh, Thor Ragnarok. I think he got... The Dark World was probably the worst bit that he had in there. We we pretty much lost that entire pre-bit before we even start the film and said Loki's the only one who has any prior knowledge of Thanos really apart from the Guardians prior to this. And he just like gets completely deaded. <laughs> I mean, but do we miss Loki? Because I, I don't particularly. I think it needed to happen. I think, I think it, was a, it was a surprising turn. I, I think, think in the run up to late. it, I was kind of thinking, nah, they, there's no, there's no way they're going to do this. Yeah, you know, and to do it within your first ten minutes, that's I, kind of putting putting a stamp on the fact that yeah. like nobody's safe in this film. I actually predicted that would be the first death. Did you? Yeah. Were you like doing the? Said, yeah, I would. I would. <laughs> With quids in. Right. I wish I placed a bet. So moving on, post credits, ships turn up at Earth. We have Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Spider Man trying to defeat part of the Black Order. You forgot about Wong. Mr. Mr. Wong, yes. But it's kind of like, this is like the first group splitting off we get here. So we've got Tony, we've got Stephen, and we've got our little Peter Parker as well. And Wong. And Wong as well. And it's kind of like, this is when you learn how much of an enemy Thanos really is. I mean, they turn up in New York, giant spaceship, which looks like a tyre off a Lego car. It's quite a big, powerful scene as well, because there's only two of his little minions that he sends down here. But didn't you, don't you think like when like Strange explained the situation, it's kind of like, oh yeah, like this guy's like really bad, and they're like, mm, is he? And he's like, no, no, he's actually pretty bad. Like, yeah. like it just was all, and then they're like, oh yeah, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, accept that information. Well, talking about Wong, we completely forgot Bruce Banner's on back on Earth at this point. Oh yeah, well, he just come flying through the sky, yes, yeah, and crashing into through Doctor Strange's very nice window. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because that's kind of a, a riff off one of the original Infinity books. Because yeah. uh, a similar thing happens, but in the in the comic version, it's the Silver Surfer. Yeah. Uh, so they got a, a thing with that. But I kind of it was kind of cool that whole that whole beginning sequence that the Ebony Moore and Cull Obsidian coming down because Ebony Moore is I like that character. He was cool with these kind of he was very, very well um, played. Very well played. Yeah, it was kind of a real nice it, kind of play. Is that the one that. That called Squidward? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and just because he's you know his power set was quite interesting, so he was able yeah. to kind of hold his own. But yeah. um, that was a good. That was a nice action sequence. Kind of introduced us into the uh, nice the nanotech suit for yeah. Iron Man. It's quite nice to have a magic battle as well. You got Evan Hall's oh, yeah. version of magic versus Strange and Wong's version of magic. Well, I think compared to how, what we saw of Doctor Strange in his own movie, yeah. this was really the time where it was like that's Doctor Strange. Yeah, you know, it's Benedict 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 Cumberbatch, not Wong. Oh, Benedict Wong, not Benedict Wong. Um, <laughs> kind of really played into that whole kind of like yeah. not messing. Yeah, you know, the, uh, we look after the universe, kind of. Um, Thing, well, so. You can tell he's had the eye of Agamotto for quite a while at this point, so he's yeah. learned quite a lot of power. And I still dig that mag- whole magic thing that they do with the kind of like twisting the things. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a great visual. I love the look of that. Do you know what? Like, you know, when they make the films and they do the behind the scenes stuff, it must be like so easy for like Cumberbatch, Wong, and Olsen. They're just like, oh, I'll just stand here and move my hands around a bit. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, like they're dancing. Yeah, you know, it's like. So you mentioned Scarlet Witch, so we'll move on to that a little bit as well. So this, we've, we've, we've had Tony, Stephen Strange and Spider-Man blasted it into space at this point on the way back to Titan. Nice little cameo from Ned as well. Yes. 
which was uh, appreciated. Nice, nice to see that they haven't got all the little side characters in this film. Mostly, well, Valkyrie. <laughs> yeah. We get Pepper Potts as well, so we have three minutes with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I like what Phil Ellis was telling me that apparently Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't even watch these films. I won't be surprised to be honest. A paycheck alert. It's just all about the peace crisps and the vegetable RVs. Making yeah. money out of people of very expensive cookbooks. And conscious and couplings. Yes. But moving along swiftly. So yes, you mentioned Scarlet Witch. So we then flip over to Edinburgh and Vision's on holiday. I mean, he, he's, he's pathetic, isn't he? He's a sap. He's like he's like your, your friend who desperately needs a girlfriend. But he's like, all oh, no, really romantic. And I, I can remember if Phil Ellis was just looking at his sweater in this scene. And he was going, that's a nice, nice yeah. knit. But we all know why they've moved to Edinburgh. Because anywhere that's offering to deep fry your kebab, you're gonna move. Everybody's gonna move that. I love um, that. That was like the main focus of that post. That was just a brilliant scene. It's like, yeah, we're gonna get this in. Um, yeah, I kind of. I mean, it's a big. That yeah. relationship in the comics is 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 a big complex relationship in terms yeah. of what's going on. But it was it was nice to see Paul Bettany in the, the flesh, which is <laughs> hey! quite, quite nice. You know what Keith was getting uh, into in yeah, the cinema. It's good, but. Um, yeah, it was kind of cool that you know it was a jump scare. I mean, you know, people jumped in the in the auditorium when I was watching this movie. When when he gets, yeah, uh, quite brutally. Well, this is Corvus. Uh, Corvus. Glaive, yeah, it? yeah. So the, if you've ever read the comic book, the glaive is supposed to be able to cut anything. So even yeah. though he's vibranium, he's probably not expecting to get skewered like a yeah. deep fried kebab. It was another good action set piece, kind of you know, yeah. the the the, the, the uh, Scarlet Witch using her powers. Yeah, to kind of like kind and Bruce of has flip phoned Mister Captain America himself by this point, so we get our first bearded Steve Rogers. Yeah, well, I mean, what a way for that character to come out of the shadows. I like as well, effectively, the phones that they were using were the same that Captain Kurt uses. <laughs> well, this was this was the whole thing. I think when <laughs> probably everyone, better when he expect when he steps out of the shadow. I think everybody in the trailer thought he's going to be on in Wakanda still at this point. It was like as a nomad, but it was just like him coming back with Natasha at the same time. It was really nice to see it. And, and the the, uh, the the return of the the original Avengers theme as well yes. was that was that was kind of nice. And the fact that you know two of the quite quite powerful characters from from the, the Black Order and our least powered superheroes yeah. were able to kind of you know keep to them at bay and take take them out and stuff. So that kind of sets up a nice kind of um, yeah. bit. And it's uh, it, it was a good scene. It was you know, bearded Steve. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a that's a look, that's a good look. Yeah, uh, and and going back to you know when he's when they're going to go back and he you know says home. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's nice. It was a good introduction to those characters. They don't get, don't get an awful lot else to do. Yeah, through the rest of the movie, but it was it was a good you know it was a fan pleasing moment that was. Yeah, and then as you said we go back to the Avengers Initiative and we have good old Dusty Rhodes himself and General Thunderbolt Ross having a chat. Yeah. Oh, is that Don Cheadle? What, what, okay, let, can we just have a discussion about what is the point of Don Cheadle in this it, film? He replaced him from Empire, didn't he? After he asked for two yeah, minutes. Yeah, but there's no need for Don Cheadle to it be was, in this film. It was more to get an Iron Man suit on Earth while Iron Man's off in space. That just, was the whole point. It was just, we can pull out War Machine, we can pull out Hulkbuster. So there's still some Iron Man action. For see, I, I don't mind Don Cheadle. He's quite cool. And having having watched a few times this week, him What's kind of getting a bit upset. He's got work to do. <laughs> There's hours outside of work time when I'm not thumbing <laughs> through the like, Where's my husband tonight? Oh, he's watching the Avengers <laughs> again. Where's my husband tonight? Oh, he's watching the Avengers tonight. Keith, where are you? I'm at the cinema. How many viewings is it so far? I've only been twice. I mean, it's only just been. A I week, know somebody so. has been four times now. And I think yeah. that's pushing my boat a little bit. 
what? I, I mean, I, you know, if I, if, I, if I was somewhere between 16 and 24, I probably would have been four times this <laughs> You'd year. You'd be there already. with your limited card just yeah. watching yeah. it. Oh, gosh. You are in my eyes, mate. That, that would have, I mean, if, when I, if I'd have been a teenager and there was unlimited cards, that would have been magnificent. If you were a teenager, Keith, I'd like to hope you were doing something else than going to the cinema all the time, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, it was you just lived a life. Paper rounds, school, cinema, nightclubs. <laughs> That was yeah. literally it every day of the week. Right. So finishing off Act One, we have the Guardians of the Galaxy turn up from rescuing Thor. Well, I don't know whether they rescued him. Kind of, they, him he just <laughs> he just splatted on their windscreen. Well, you got a great line from Rocket Raccoon. Raccoon <laughs> just switch switch wipers on. Yeah. And Rabbit, as now Rocket Raccoon will always be called. Yeah, I think I think his he works really well. I think we've had the fun for now with Thor Ragnarok, and he fitted in really well with the Guardians kind of style and humor and a little bit off the wallness. I was a bit annoyed during the scene. Because there was a child with a really obnoxious laugh. It was kind of like no one laughed like that. And like people were laughing well, too don't much. Take Callan to the cinema. With you. <laughs> people were laughing too much during the scene, and it kind of ruined it because I couldn't hear it. It's interesting to me in the fact that they've set up Thor as the comedic character from Ragnarok. The Guardians have always had that uh, kind of slightly comedic edge to them. Yet for me, in this film, they they're given the heaviest and most intense stuff to deal with you know at this point now thor's pretty much lost everybody he ever knew half his race, race is gone yeah planet's gone his brother's gone family's gone and when he meets up with the guardians he's having to deal with an awful lot but also as well from this point on the guardians start having to deal with some pretty heavyweight stuff yeah and this is like their transition into being a bit more serious here I think. Yeah, they take, you, they're taking you get some rock, rocket trying to bond with thor at this well, point we we kind of have had a little bit of that in Guardians 2, with the kind of interplay between him and Yondu, in terms of like the, the both of these characters have, are, are carrying yeah, an awful lot of emotional weight. baggage yeah. that we're just not privy to. But I think it sets them up. It puts those two characters, those those sets of characters, onto a, a path that is really interesting. Uh, you know, the, my one biggest flaw about this film is teenage group. Oh, yeah, it was annoying. It was just stupid. I'm I'm set up a group to be honest with you. I could do that at merchandise and item. It was. It just felt it didn't fit in any way, shape, or form. It, it, it was superfluous for pretty much the whole movie, except for the one pivotal moment where he makes a handle. I mean, and that's all you get from Groot. Baby Groot was an idea being cute and obviously quite funny and made some jokes. This is like that. This just wasn't not funny. It was kind of like okay, we're looking at his evolution, but yeah, you know, it's just yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. The joke was on set, but the joke wasn't here. Keith is frowning at me. Yeah, I don't. I don't particularly see that. I think it followed on from where he was. At the end of Guardians Two, so you couldn't leave him out, but I didn't. I think his whole kind of like ambivalence to everything was part of his character, and he had to go through that process. I don't think there's any character in here really that is superfluous. They all serve some kind of purpose, or all have some kind of traje- trajectory to take throughout the film. I, I just didn't feel that with Groot. Groot was just there in the background for most of it because most of that the whole scene where the guardians then split up so you get uh, star lord gamora and drax go off to nowhere and then you have thor rocket and group go off to nibbleheim <laughs> nibbleheim i think <laughs> nibbleheim something like that something like that where the giant dwarf is basically Basically, just mean Tyrion, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, oh, don't even get you dissing on Groot. What the heck was Peter Dinklage thinking? So Peter, so <laughs> let's 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 park Peter shall, Dinklage shall till we get there. Shall, we'll finish Act One first, yeah. and then then we flip back to Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Peter Parker on the round spaceship with Ebony Moore, and then 
Peter Parker not supposed to be on the spaceship, but I he's think got... I missed this bit because went to the toilet. We got the Iron Spider suit. It must have been at least an hour in. You're yeah. doing well at this point, guys. <laughs> well, we've got the full Iron Spider suit at this point. Yeah, which actually I didn't like in the comics, but worked really well here. It worked really it well. It was like, I expected to go, oh, here we go with this rubbish costume. But actually it was really good. And again, we had the terrible pop culture reference of, oh, have you guys seen Aliens? But again, this, this, the, all of that, all of the stuff that's happening here with, with Tom Holland's Peter Parker is just cementing him as the best Spider-Man and the he, best he Peter Parker. the best interpretation. It, all of that. I mean, the whole, the whole bit from when he gets off the bus to kind of doing all the stuff and the kind yeah. of like, oh, what am I doing? Kind of like taking his mask off and stuff. Well, this means he's got two layers of Spider-Man suits on at this point because he's got his normal Spider-Man suit and then he's got the Iron Spider suit over the top of that. On a side note, I'd very much like to see Keith Bloomfield riding the side of a bus like that in the future. <laughs> that, that, that's probably the best way to travel, actually. I like it. Make a distraction. Holy shit, this is a giant spaceship over the window. That was good. I, it, it, play, it again played to the tones that had been set in his Homecoming movie. This felt a bit flat because we have the whole again. Ebony Moore is a great character, but he wasn't used enough in this. I don't think because we have the whole torture scene with Stephen Strange, which is just him basically shoving a few needles, and giving him a bit of an acupuncture session. It's propelling us towards Thanos. The trouble you've got with the Black Order is they they were just there to be stepping stones, stepping stones to the kind yeah. of big conflict. So you know, splitting them up and stuff as well. Oh, but... Terence Strange Darby stuck in my head now. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Dave. But <laughs> never, never a good thing to have Terrence Trent Darby stuck. Do you know what? I DJ'd that song last time I DJ'd. So it went down a storm. No accounting for taste. And this, is, <laughs> and this is the whole bit where we get they're trying to recreate the Iron Man Captain America fight with Iron Man and Stephen Strange. At this point, it's kind of like trying to create a little bit of tension of no, my idea is really good. You shut up and follow me. They're both used to being leaders in this situation. Yeah. I mean, you can see where Stephen's coming from because he's like, I've been doing this stuff and the previous Sorcerer's Supreme. Supreme. Uh, Which does sound like a very nice style of pizza. Can I have the Sorcerer's Supreme? Or or a a nice ice cream of some description. Yeah, I think he he doesn't answer to Tony. And he does say it in a way. It's like, I I don't work for you. He's already said that in the film. And it's kind of like, yeah, I can understand why Stephen's just like, I've I've got a job to do. And then you've got Tony on the flip side who's like, I'm used to being the one. Yeah, telling everybody everybody, everybody listens to what I say. Yeah. So flipping over to nowhere, we get our little bit of a Benicio del Toro experience. I mean, does anybody need a Benicio del Toro experience? I mean, I don't feel that's something I want in life is a Benicio del Toro experience. Unless it was him as Dr. Gonzo from Fear and Loathe and maybe. I, I... I did like it where he's shouting "Magnificent, Magnificent," uh, and then he does his little wave when yeah. the reality wave goes past him. I like, when Keith destroys cool. the studio, I just, <laughs> yeah, that's half your microphone off. I, I thought he did, he wasn't as annoying as he was at the end of Guardians Dark, too. Dark World as, as well. Yeah. So I kind of liked. I kind of like that. It all led to a point where it sets Peter up to kind of having to deal with something that perhaps he wasn't quite prepared to do. Well, I think it was more Gamora having to realise her feelings for Peter at this point as yeah. well. And also for her adopted father. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that um, kind of nowhere stuff. Setting, yeah. setting a lot of wheels it was, in motion. It was a lot of moving on. I mean, we, we see the first experience of the reality stone being used in this film, so we get the whole bit of Drax being turned into cubes yeah. to be reformed, and Mantis being turned into paper. Sorry, we just need to address the fact that she was a pointless character not needed in this film, and I hate she her. Has a very, I hate her. She has a very pivotal role. <laughs> she, she did play quite a pivotal role, but we also missed out on the funniest bits in the whole thing, yeah. um, was Drax invisible. 
the, the whole thing because we know how literally used as a character and when he says like how long have you been standing there and he goes an hour and you go he's been there for, for an hour it's like my I movements are so imperceptible you cannot see me literally like crunching on stuff <laughs> Dave's performance in that is just yeah Dave Batista always has fun when he plays really drums cool. you can see that it's kind of just the whole literalness of that character I think he loves playing that I think he was the comedy standout character of the film. I think he got all the best lines and all the best he moments. He was much more reserved than he was in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and that works a lot better because in Guardians of the Galaxy he was ruined because he was just laughing at everything. <laughs> but it's kind of like having him having a little bit of a standout comedy moment. It was quite well done. Yeah. But again, we still get that bit with him and facing up against Thanos and you can see the rage and the complete loss of control to just Go and beat Thanos up. It's his whole purpose for being alive. Yeah, is to kill Thanos. That, yeah. that's his. That's his thing. That's that's why he's here. Yeah, uh, and he gets he, he gets that opportunity and it's stolen away from him. And then we have the repercussions of Gamora being taken away onto Thanos's new big shiny spaceship. Quite a powerful scene that is, because we have the whole bit where Gamora thinks she's killed Thanos, and it's very. We we finally seen like this this split inside her where she knows that Thanos needs to die, but at the same time, she's still his adopted fo- she's still his adopted daughter. There so. is a lot of emotional resonance going on between all of these characters that we've kind of just had. People have spoken about it in previous films, but we really see the weight of that in 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 this scene in particular. The the fact that you know she kills the father and how that impacts on her, but then when it was all turned around and he kind of resets reality and we see that actually he's already decimated nowhere the collector's nowhere to be seen he's vanished and it puts it to that point where gamora is looking to peter to stop because she knows she's got information that he needs and i was quite surprised that actually that he pulls the trigger you know although (laughs) although the bubbles come out you know you think that's pretty hardcore peter's just you know any any other movie would have yeah. kind of fumbled the ball it would have been a you know oh, the gun would have been it would have been a point break hand. moment yeah. of like shooting the bullets into the air yeah. ah, kind of thing but he doesn't he does it that's pretty strong stuff right so flipping over to the other half of the gardens at this point with thor the dwarf forge bit it's the only it's the first time we actually see thor being a proper god i think with the whole bit with him being stuck in the middle of this white dwarf and having the full power of a sun fired at him yeah i don't think we've seen Thor this powerful up until this point. And it's kind of like you, you finally feel like he's taken on the mantle of being yeah. pretty much the last Asgardian at this point. And we do get a few kind of funny jokes with the eye. Yeah. Uh, that kind of, you know... Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice yeah, yeah. reference back to the first film. That yeah, was. <laughs> I would have watched that. That's, kind of, that's a nice line. Yeah, but uh, Peter Dinklage's character was completely miscast <laughs> and ruined from the start to finish, I think. What was that accent? He changed it three times. I don't know. Oh, you need, give, give him a break, man. He needs a bit of... Where's the handle? Where's the handle? We get Stormbringer, so Thor has a new axe, basically, which is to replace him. What's Storm, Storm, Stormbreaker, yeah, yeah. Um, which in the comics, I think, gets forged originally to give to Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Who's and, kind of like a, another character. this is Groot's one bit of work where he snaps one of his hands off to make a handle. To make the handle. True, where's the handle? Where's the handle? Yes. Uh, yeah, what was that? I, I just the, yeah. the, 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 he's. I liked his hair, yeah. though. Peter Dinklage's hair in that sequence. It was kind of looks good. a bit like mine, to be fair. Yeah. But I think a lot of stuff was being set up in that whole sequence about 
stuff that we need to know for for, for, yeah. for the well, second film. The yeah. whole fact that yeah. he'd he'd forged the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. So we know that there's a there's a mold somewhere for yeah. to make another one. It gives Thor control of the Bifrost again, which also becomes quite a pivotal point. Which brings us on to back to Earth. So we have Captain America taking Vision to Wakanda to get himself get vision repaired at this point because Tony's not around to help. I mean he was and kind of get the Mind Stone taken out. He was kinda of Captain Pointless in this film really, wasn't he? He didn't really do a lot of He was Captain he Courier. Was, kinda of looked kinda of looked alright, didn't he? And that was it. Yeah. That was his role. It's kinda of like you know what Steve uh, sorry Chris we uh, I think got a lot of role for you once. So if you grow a beard, people might actually know you're there. You know, <laughs> people might know that you're actually well, part of this. He's taking on the character of Nomad <laughs> at this point. It's it's supposed to be he's he's done with the Avengers and you can feel that in all the ways like he's back here for his friends. And that is the only reason he's turned up is for his friends and to possibly save humanity. But he's not there as an Avenger. Oh, what you want about me? He just wanted a free holiday to Wakanda. So we're at Wakanda. We get to see Shuri. We get everybody back. We get to Charla back. So it's it's quite a nice. We get both of the films input into this. So we get Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. Really much do follow straight into this. Here. Yeah, it's an, it's an instant reminder of why Black Panther was so good. It certainly kind of is a is a real barnstorming moment for the film. To just go, I think even if you've not seen Black Panther, yeah, you you will get a good idea of what you've missed in yeah. terms of that sequence. I think we need to talk about the fact though that Black Panther they obviously didn't predict how big this film was going to be, and that's why his involvement here is less. Yeah, but it probably would have been more had that film come out a while ago, and they realised how successful this was. We need to talk about Mbaku because having just Mbaku back was great. Yeah, all of that stuff was really good. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think even if they'd ever had time. To yeah. take into account how successful Black Panther was, I don't think it would have. There was there wasn't really room in the movie to kind of do anything more with T'Challa. The the the, the, the main yeah. points of the story was was Thor and Tony. And yeah. Tony, Thor and Tony and Doctor Strange. I think yeah. the rest of our Avengers were literally just, they were just yeah they were cannon fodder really they were just in the yeah. way of the other Infinity Stones. And basically, they just replaced Tony working on Vision with Shuri at this point because Tony's lost in space at this point. Yeah, the battle scene. We get that speech from the trailer. Get this man a shield. Yeah, and they're not really shields. No. They're kind of slightly kind of clawy type yeah. things. They're all right. Yeah, they're like shield, they? No, they're kind of little kind of gauntlet shield type things. Yeah. A bit like if you watch if you watch um, Supergirl or um, yeah, I know Arrow. Yeah. They, they have these little kind of little tiny shields. You get two geeks now, Keith. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. It's uh, what's his face. Yeah, uh, and I don't. I, I think character. I would have rather been smacked in the face with his old shield than these ones because yes. they were a bit pointy. Yeah, they did so I wasn't too keen on that. But, uh, what did we think about the the villains in this bit? I mean, I know we get the Black Order, but the actual cannon fodder looked a bit ropey at this point. What was what was it? Was it like a dog? Uh, or something? They looked like venom to me. They just looked like lots right. of miniature venoms running out. They were just a cannon fodder, basically. Cannon fodder means to an end. Overwhelm the enemy. Mm. The bits where we see him getting chopped up in the shield was quite. I mean, yeah, that was that was quite cool. Quite dark, um, but it, it was interesting. It, it reminded me quite a lot of Star Wars Episode One when you get the Gungans of the shield, and then yeah. like, you get all the robots just headed towards it. But I did like. I mean, that was pretty cool. I did like the whole kind of like how it set up Wakanda as being this kind of really amazing place when that first pod. Yeah, hits the dome and just splatters over the top of it. That was a that was a good moment. Yeah, I kind of like that. Right, so uh, flipping back over, we've got Thanos, we've got Gamora, and we have the return of Nebula at this point in pieces at this point, pretty much. Giving away her sister's secrets. Yes. And we get the whole thing about Gamora gets taken to find the Soul Stone, and we get the return of the Red Skull, not Hugo Weaving. No. 
Well, I uh, can't remember his name now, but it was a really good... This wasn't plan. obvious. Like, no. this was kind of like... I, I was kind of like, what was he that was about? He was doing his best Hugo Weaving voice, I think, to try and like... I think I think that would have been lost on a lot of people. It, it it felt a bit like a pointless cameo. It was kind of like, why would he be bothered to be sent there by the Soul Stone? Because he was trying to get the Power Stone, so it's kind of like it didn't make no sense. I think for your casual Avengers film or Marvel film watcher, you will have forgotten about that a long time ago. Yeah, I think because it was the stone, it was the Tesseract yeah. that um, sent him there. Sent him sent him around. It's a Ross Marquand from yes, Walking Ross Dead. Marquand, he does yeah. a lot of good impressions. It kind of made sense a little bit in terms of um, him being sent by the Tesseract to yeah. protect another one of the stones. But the Soul Stone's the most interesting element in all of the Infinity Stones well, in terms of what it was asking for. It demands in, a soul. Yeah, so it's almost in, in a way that uh, you, you had a moment earlier on where Wong kind of gives you a bit of a... Um, quick guide into how the Infinity Stones were created. Yeah. And the distributed, the distributed yeah. out. But the Soul Stone is really interesting because it's one that is almost sentient yeah. in a way. It's it's demanding something to get something, to, to give you something back. But the sacrifice that Thanos is having to make, and it's obvious that it is a sacrifice. He's not, yeah. he's not kind of just... You, you actually, it's it's. They've had a really good run of Marvel villains recently. So yeah. we've had great stuff with Black Panther. We've had good things uh, with Spider-Man: Homecoming because you actually felt the Vulture in it. Yeah. But here we actually Thanos. It actually gets we we understand his point of view on this. Yeah. We understand where he's coming from, and we understand he actually does love Gamora at this yeah. point. And we haven't really credited that Josh Brolin with with his uh, motion capture performance in this yeah. because. You know, this is one big giant CG character. Yeah. Uh, with with poor Josh, kind of, tr- you know, his ping pong ball suit on set, yeah. but he car- he carries that really really well. Yeah. Uh, and that and this scene where you see the conflict in in Thanos's face. Yeah. About, I want this because my aim is to 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 get you know stop yeah. half the universe from suffering. Yeah. And I've got to give up something. Yeah. As a result, and you can see the conflict in his face, but the, his yeah. resolution, and yeah. and that little whole sequence where he just grabs her and, and chucks her, ch- you know, you just yeah. think, that is, you know, but this is a film where we're getting brutal moment after brutal moment, yeah. and you just think, this and you is... don't, and you don't think of Marvel killing off characters like that because yeah. it's kind of like, oh, they'll be back next time, but um, I think some of these deaths might be permanent. Uh, so now Thanos has the Soul Stone, he flips over to Titan, and it's time for a bit of a argy bargy with. Iron Man and Doctor Strange here, and we learn that Doctor Strange has seen millions. Fourteen million six hundred and five, and only one of them and works. Only one, only one um, positive, only one where they win. Yeah. So the Guardians of now, we've had a bit of a tussle between Iron Man, Strange, and the Guardians. They've learned that they're all fighting against Thanos. Thanos turns up here to rescue the rescue the Time Stone, and. Yeah, <laughs> but it's another case of where Tony's meeting a character who just go. Yeah, I'll, you're not in on. You're not in charge of us. <laughs> yeah, I'll you do know. my own thing. Thank you very much. Peter goes. Yeah, the, that your your plans. Yeah, your plans yeah. rubbish. And we'll the plan. plan. And to be fair to Peter, Gould, it was a the good plan. Worked. I missed when they met up because I went to the toilet. <laughs> Regular as clockwork. <laughs> yes, but so they, <laughs> it's pretty much the bit from the trailer where he goes. Good plan, except it sucks. I saw that bit. I <laughs> yeah. didn't see when they all joined in. So if we did my plan, yeah. it might just work. But it was—I mean—that was a good little battle sequence as well. They yeah. were all playing to their strengths. The whole that 
the whole bit where he was like, get the glove off him. Yeah, and they almost, Don't let him close his almost fist. succeeded. Yeah. yeah, but somebody, some idiot. somebody was a bit of a plonker. Yeah, somebody got a bit too emotional and Andy. Yes, but knocked over Mantis. But you know that's. I mean, that's quite funny. Though. Yeah, the thing, the thing where they kind of they've got Mantis kind of doing what she did with the ego. And, yeah. and playing that kind of empathy card was really cool. But again, I, I thought it was a great moment. Although, in effect, it's Peter's fault. Yeah. That him and Thor... Everybody understands why he's done it. Yeah, he? basically him and Thor didn't, didn't do the right thing at the right time. But yeah. the, the fact that Peter was... I liked the fact that he was like, you've, you've killed Gamora. Yeah. And we've seen that he was, in a, he was in a place where he would have done that to protect the universe yeah. and to have it have it her taken away from him that I can understand why he does what he does but then we get this moment here as well where strange trades the time stone for Tony Stark's life so even though they don't like each other very much there's got to be a reason why that strange would do that and I think it's this possible the only possible future yeah. he's seen fed up when he well it's the only possible future he knows that Iron Man needs to be round for it, basically, is the way I feel yeah. about this. That's the only possible conclusion I can come to. So Thanos goes to find his last piece of jewellery and take the Mind Stone off Vision. Yay! The, the, the big, big battle here. So Thanos himself comes in. So we've got Dr. Bruce Banner in the Hulkbuster suit, which they must have found in a cupboard somewhere. It looks a bit... Uh, I'm thinking Wakanda pretty much rescued it from his fight with Thor in the first film. Can I just say... Uh, Age of Ultron, sorry. I don't think we got a lot of the Hulk, because I think the budget was so high, they were like, oh, we need to shed some pounds here, lads. Um, do you know what? Let's, let's not make the Hulk in this film, so let's just get Mark to be Mark in this film. Save a few quid, you know. That's that's definitely what happened, right? Well, you had the Hulk in the trailer originally, and then they swapped him out for the Hulk Buster suit. Well, I think we should get there, right? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder whether that shot in the trailer, which is a great shot, because yeah. that was the one where I was like, "Oh, this is this is going down, and this yeah. is going to be cool." I wonder whether that's even from this film. Yeah. Let's go back in to that. There's there's part of me that thinks we haven't see, it. It exists, but we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, the Hulk is scared. I mean, that's the that's the constant reminder Aww. throughout the whole film. That, oh that Thanos, oh that Thanos is, is you know he had a, he had the one stone and he took the Hulk out. Yeah, now he's got five. You know. and we have this whole bit where you have Steve Rogers pushing back against Thanos, yeah, but he's got four stones at this point. So it's kind of like again that's changed from the trailer because in the well, trailer he's got, he's got five. Got... He's got the five. I've hit the microphone again. He's got the five at that point. Today, but, yeah, it's like, but that, that but the moment when Thanos just. Looks at you know when Steve's holding that yeah. that glove up for a few seconds, Thanos just goes, "Okay, impressive." Yeah, uh, but then just lamps <laughs> in one. Yeah. Gee, now, you know that's. But again, that's it's at this point where Thanos is just going, "Yeah, I'm not messing about now." Yeah, so uh, we've got boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. We've but, got Bucky. We've got, and then it's just kind oh, of. Yeah. Uh, but just, it's not, oh, it's, he but goes for the entire parade of yeah. heroes at this point, and the only person who's strong enough to hold him back for a little while is Scarlet Witch. Yeah, and and, and she's doing that at the same time as she's trying to get the stone out of Vision's head. Yeah, and then, and then she does actually do it. Vision explodes into a million pieces. Good ah. riddance. And then Thanos <laughs> reverses time, and Vision comes back. Damn. But and not for very long. Looks when he, just, he just caves his head Boom. in. I mean, hey, good. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, and Shame then that. Thor comes back, 
shoves an axe in oh, yeah. his chest. Yeah, should have gone for the head. As yeah, as Thanos tells him. And then yeah, the I mean, fingers. Yeah, there's there's lots of there's lots of bits that we've we've skirted over. Yeah. Some great moments. And for, there's for just too the much to try and squeeze in. The fact that we get to a point in the movie where that happens. Yeah, and but, I don't but, think anybody was expecting that. No, and it, and it has been built for this whole movie. Gamora says it at the start; he wants to kill half the universe, and he'll just do it with a click when he gets the Infinity Gauntlet, and he does it. And then, my God, heroes start dying left, right, and centre here. I mean, but like some of them ain't a loss, is it? Really, like Falcon? Like, oh no, oh, no, Falcon's disappeared. Oh no, quick, someone save him! It's Falcon. Bucky disappears. He didn't really do much to me. Bucky's been a big central part of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, he was a central part of this film, was he, though? Well, he's been in... If you think about some of the pivotal scenes he's been in... He, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering now, we should shave Guy's chin <laughs> to see if it's all knobbly like Thanos. Because he's, <laughs> he's, got, he's got a bit of a brutal streak here. Yeah, yeah well, Falcon's dead, who cares? I mean, Bucky's like, dead, who seriously, cares? like, Falcon, yeah. did was anybody bother? I mean, the Gardens of the Galaxy, all of them, apart from Rocket, disappear. At this point, they all get faded into dust. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a this, ashes to ash. This is a this is a point in the film where I mean, I, the first time I saw it, I was in a packed cinema. I'd never seen it this busy in a in a cinema in in years, and um, it, the whole audience you could so just was that, feel was it. That the fifteenth time you went? No, it's the first time. <laughs> but you could he, you could feel the whole audience that the weight of that Click. act, yeah, and the repercussions of it. I mean, people said, just some like, people have grown up with these characters. You've got to think there's uh, been yeah. children. Calendars. Who, yeah, you've got people <laughs> who've grown up with pretty central characters like Captain America, Iron Man, and and then we have this whole scene with Tony Stark and his surrogate son, which apparently Tom Holland improvised. Did he? It, that whole sequence, and they kept I it. I don't feel so well. It was again. It was a little bit that kind of David Tennant's yeah. Doctor that yeah. I don't want to go, but. Geez, that was a. Uh, you know, I that, I that could feel it in the back. You know, I was like choking up a little bit yeah, because that was that was pretty brutal. But Keith, he's got a sequel coming out. So but it doesn't oh, matter. He might be okay. It doesn't matter. He might but be okay, but it didn't stop it, that moment. Time, at that emotional point, you, in time. you thinking, "Oh my god!" And the, the 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 look on his face of like fear of like yeah. what, I, what I don't. Yeah, it was like. It was pretty. It was really well played. Yeah, it was really and well played. We know Marvel Universe is that people die and come back quite a lot, and they are going to win. But this did feel like the Empire Strikes Back moment. Here, all hope is lost. Luke's lost his hand. Hands in carbonite. Leia's on a ship stuck in the middle of the edge of the galaxy. This is yeah. that kind of feel that we have here. We've got pretty much the original Avengers, apart from. Clint Barton, who's disappeared somewhere at this point, yeah. pretty much left. We have Thor, we have Captain America. Well, it's we pretty much Iron the Man. original um, Avengers lineup, yeah. minus Hawkeye. But I mean, what I like about the fact, uh, the way this film ends, is I have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah. At and, all. And I, everybody just was nothing. expecting that, and we all, we've said this ourselves in the past, we was all expecting it was going to be the last film for T- Tony Stark, yeah. the last film for RDJ, it's going to be Chris Evans' last film, we all expected the big hitters to yeah. go in this film, and they completely subverted that, and I applaud the Russos for doing this, because they turned it completely I, it, did, it did. It and all was, the new Avengers have gone. So. It did lots of things that you didn't expect, and and that that works in its favour. That it didn't it didn't do the things everybody was thinking. Oh, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, and then it pretty much ends with Thanos's moment in the sun. Did you yeah. know that it's perfectly balanced? Because twelve characters disappeared, and twelve are still around. Well, we don't know about Shuri and Shuri and Wong, Shuri. but yeah. it's safe to assume they're still there because we didn't. Yeah, know I about it. So apparently, apparently, it's twelve vanished, twelve still. 
kicking around. Yeah. Perfectly but balanced. We, we look and we see Thanos is really scarred at this point. The, 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 it's, the, it's, it's, it's destroyed the, the gauntlet the and destroyed the gauntlet, mashed yeah. his arm up. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm also not certain about Vision as well because the, there was some very... When Shuri was putting these synapses back together again, she does something well, just before she gets hit. One of the theories is that he, she, he met, she messed around with the Mind Stone so that when Thanos put it in the glove it was going to go wrong basically mm. is what the theory is that's going around online. It didn't seem to go wrong. And then pretty much credits. So half our heroes are gone. Yeah, it was quiet when those credits went. It, was, it weren't flashy it, credits either. No, like we it, was used just, to. it was just like, it was, we here's had the, the names. sunrise, and then it just went dark. I love the way the title blew away as well. Yeah. Just well, uh, what they, what they, what once somebody said, and I actually agree with them, what they could have done with the end credits is have the people who disappeared like blow away halfway through their credits go rid of. Do you know, I'm, in retrospect now, I also think I'm just a bit harsh on Falcon, but I also feel like when he blew away, it should have been a comedy fart sound. <laughs> So and, this is, uh, and this is why the Russo brothers are making yeah, Marvel films guy. and you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Come but, on, we all would have laughed at that. Uh, to, to fin- I'm to, not 100% sure. To finish. We'll do a poll online. Would you have laughed at a fart joke for the Falcons? Oh. <laughs> Death. <laughs> to finish this segment off, we'll talk about the press credit scene, which sets us up for the next Marvel movie here. So we've got Maria Hill, we've got Nick Fury... Also, both fading into dust, and before he disappears and says "Mother F" and disappears into the dust, he calls Captain Marvel on a pager. On a pager, a souped-up pager. So we know post Infinity War, we're going to have Captain Marvel, which is set in the nineties or eighties. It's the nineties, nineteen nineties. So this is going to be previous, and she, the Russos have already said she's going to be the biggest hitter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's going to be the toughest of the Avengers. So, it's going to be interesting to see how yeah. we're going to focus on So, pro- we know we've got Ant-Man and Wasp. We've seen the trailer for that one. Yeah. Delayed for a month. Uh, however, we get no Ant-Man in this film. That sucks. He's gone to ground. Or, or did we? <laughs> Do you know what, though? Like, we got Falcon and War Machine and no Ant-Man. Is that about... Where, that, there's no justice in I the world. I feel so sorry for Hawkeye as well. Jeremy Renner gets oh, yeah, forgot no about him. respect to this movie. He's one of the original Avengers. He's been around since the first Thor movie. And he gets a one castaway line of, yeah, Clint's gone on gone on the down low a little bit. <laughs> then we should have just turned around and go, oh, where's, uh, where's Hawkeye? Oh, yeah, we decided not to get him out on this mission. He's a bit rubbish, really, isn't he, with his <laughs> archery set, you know, which for he might not be up for well, task. He, he wouldn't have been really good at the Battle of Wakanda because he'd have killed 24 of them and gone, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just do what Daryl Dixon does. You take him back out. <laughs> to be honest, though, I, 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 I'm sure, certain that we're going to see them in the, in the fourth yeah. Avengers movie. What? Whatever that Avengers ends up being titled. Beast. This is who we've got left. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers the B-sides. <laughs> but I, I, I can't believe that they just left them out arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've spent too many films and too much time and effort to set up some well, characters to just arbitrarily War, that leave That was a them massive out. thing for Scott Lang to come into this point. And it's yeah. like, we know the Avengers know he exists now. Yeah. And it's quite a big thing. But I, I bought the reason why they did it. You know, they're, they're normal guys. They've got, they're guys with families. They're not super-powered yeah. heroes. They're not, they're um, not, in it just they're not military guys. Yeah. And most of the other characters are... Ant-Man and the Wasp, we know, is set pre-Infinity War, even yeah. though it's coming out post. And we know Captain Marvel is set in the 90s, and I think they're doing... 
basically saying Captain Marvel's not going to age in this. Because yeah. Brie Larson's just going to be looking the same as she is. I mean, yeah. I don't know how they're going to do this because they've already had the Kree and we've had Rodan in the first Guardians Galaxy movie. Well, Rodan's and the Kree in, weren't. He's in. Uh, he's going to be in Captain Marvel as well. Yeah, but he's not that powerful in the movies. He's able to wield one Infinity Stone, but the Kree aren't overly powerful. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they, what, where, where we get to, because they're playing up the fact that the quantum realm plays yeah. a big part in Ant Man and the Wasp, yeah. and there, there is internet scuttlebutt that both Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas make an appearance in the next Avengers movie as well. So mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, these next two films are going to feed in yeah. to the fourth Avengers movie. But and this be is the thing we still don't know what the name of the fourth Avengers movie. We still, we had nothing with Adam Warlock, which I was quite surprised. I was expecting at least a post credit scene with Adam Warlock. Yeah. I know what's record. Avengers 4 Falcon Fart. But we don't know where we are now. Yeah. So we've not got anything from the Golden Empire. I was expecting Adam Warlock to at least show up in a post credit scene. Of- but I think in terms of where, where he was positioned at the, the end of Guardians 2, yeah. the time timelines wouldn't have worked out. He wouldn't have had enough time to develop well, Guardians set quite a few years before most of the rest of the Marvel movies. They don't go in sequence, do they? They're not that, that much. And I don't really mind that Adam Warlock hasn't Kind of turned up yeah. in terms of this. Isn't isn't what's just going to happen at the end of this next one anyway? It's like Brie Larson's going to turn up and go oh, bang in his face, and it's like job done, problem solved. How's the, how's the problem solved by smashing Thanos? That's not going to do I thought, anything. I thought she was like really powerful and stuff. So like one punch to the face, like death blow. But he's already done. He's already done what he's going to do. So punching him is not going to be. Well, well, let, let's let's not necessarily get hasty about reversing hey, this because hey, Falcon hey. is gone. So hey, we still have. The appearance of Squirrel Girl in the TV series, so she might be turning up. What? So I don't understand what this is. All right. So in one of the comics, Squirrel Girl is the only person to defeat the proper Thanos. Yeah. Why? She's because Squirrel Girl. That's still all you need to know. It's done off. It's done off page. Yeah. So you don't know what happened. But she's truly the only person in the comics who has ever defeated Thanos. And I, th- I think really for the next film, we're we're all right. I, I've I've not seen the name Stephen Moffat. On the writing credits, mm-hmm. so we should be okay in terms of non, non, no, not too much timey wimey num, num, numptiness happening. I'd like to, them to resolve it in a way that isn't just turn back Cody time. Stark's going to get back because Nebula pretty much crashed her ship into Thanos, and his suit's wrecked. But then there's other, there's other, there's other uh, cosmic characters they could possibly yeah. do, do something well, with. The Watcher is still around. Yeah, but he's not supposed to do anything. Do you not think um, this is going to be like a reset, and then it's every, they're all going to get like everybody the band back together, and then it's going to redo the Wakanda thing? Because you were saying about this Hulk shot, and it's just going to be like, oh yeah, we'll get it all flip, uh, you know, flip back into place. And, well, it uh, might be that they get the time stone off Thanos and reverse time a little bit. That just seems like an easy. That seems a bit of an easy out, really, in terms of like there, I mean, there needs my, to be some other way of doing it. My theory is anybody who died pre-click is dead, gone. Anybody nah. who dies during the click is going to come back. So I don't think we're going to get Loki back. I don't think we're going to get Hydra oh. back. And I don't think we're going to get Gamora back. I think you'll get Gamora back. There's no way they're going to have Guardians 3 without her. She's the straight man of the Guardians. You need her in that film. It might be they just shake it up in a way that well, there's Nebula no guarantee who comes her. back. Yeah. Nebula could replace her. Uh, as long as they don't bring Vision back. Well, the, me. In one version of the story, Nebula is... The resolution. It's her that 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 um, fixes everything. Yeah. 
But there's so many variations on this whole kind of Thanos Infinity Gauntlet story in the Marvel Universe is that yeah. I wouldn't even want to speculate how they're I mean, going to do it. Go, so if we go back to the original Infinity War comic run series from the 90s, yeah. how, how close it's was in it? Starling. Yeah, how close um, do you think it was? It's pretty close. There's some key moments that are kind of touching on, on those. It, it, we've got a slightly different set of characters and things that are kicking around. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of interesting, but well, we don't, we suffer the loss of the Fantastic Four and yeah. the X Men a little bit in this. But I don't think really they 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 have it's that core Avengers group really but, that are kind of and and the Adam Warlock I think is probably the biggest yeah. thing that that's missing. I think as I said, my final thoughts is this is more close to actually a proper war than Civil War ever was. Civil fracas, civil disagreement. Yeah, it is, and I think it's that if you if you go into this without having seen any other Marvel movies before. You're going to be lost. Yeah, with, without with no with no shadow of a doubt, you're going to go. What the hell is going on? Some people have said these are the ten key movies you need to watch, basically yeah. online. So it's like there's been twenty movies now. I think this is movies. this is the nineteenth. This is nineteenth. So, so there's been eighteen prior movies, and yeah. ten of them are pretty key to watching, which includes the original Captain America, the original Iron Man, the original Thor, yeah, Avengers yeah. Assemble. There's there's a couple of them you can cast one side, like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two doesn't really have any bearing on this. Um, yeah, it just sets up the, the teenage group, but you could probably get away with that. But yeah, I think if you've if you've invested in these characters and in this series, the fact that Marvel have have, have built it as a massive interlinking narrative, this yeah. is your Nirvana. It is a, right. it is a great way to end that series. One final question here. Yeah. A fil- na- name a film from Phase Four that you think is going to happen. Very quickly, Keith. Uh, 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 Nova. Nova Call. Nova, yeah. Yeah, that'd be quite cool. I think it's going to be a Fantastic Four movie. I think it's a bit too early on that Fox deal for that yet. Falcon and Fantastic Fart. All right. That was just setting you up for that (laughs) guy. Terrible, terrible joke. Why are we beat guy up? (laughs) Yeah, don't forget you can find us online in the week on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. And there should be some stuff coming on YouTube very soon. So keep your eyes peeled on that one. Like what? At Geeky Rummy. So we've got MCM Comic Con. And there might be a little bit about Leamington Comic Con as well, which I spoke about a few weeks ago. And if you want to see Callan Danes' knees... Yes, you can find us on Jaws19's YouTube channel as well. Stay tuned, and we'll be back soon. But bye, everybody. <laughs> bye! <laughs> I guess one guy was going to do a fart then. <laughs> Falcon. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you enjoy what we do, then please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio.